0: fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker
1: the pope and young club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. I'm Jason Roundsville, joined as always by my co host Dylan Ray. And we have with us today. One of our new corporate partners just signed up this summer. I mean, it seems like this summer was a long time ago or or just not too long ago, but it was actually quite a while. Anyway, we have Thomas Mifsud from Universal Outdoor Products. Welcome to the show.
3: Uh, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. And you know, just the opportunity to be here and hang out with you guys, you know, become, you know, pretty good friends throughout the last few months since we met and started getting involved with Pulp and Young and You know just uh it's an it's an adventure so
2: absolutely and so we'll just talk a little bit about that you know um you actually came or you know we kind of got to know each other at the mountain archery festivals this past summer and just kind of an instant connection you know up on the mountain everybody's having fun and so um you know it, to us it just seems like a great fit you know you came in and we're all excited about obviously about bow hunting and and archery and you've got your your company has a ton of great products uh some of which are in my garage um <laughs> m- much to the chagrin of my amex card but uh <laughs> anyway um tell us a little bit about you know when when you started talking to us on up on the mountain, what was it that the kind of made the connection to where this is, this is a really great fit for us.
3: Well, I mean, for me, you know, a couple of things was first off, it was recognizing you because we had met two years before that at ATA show on a plane. Right. So it was like having that familiar face, kind of not knowing what you really did or what part you guys both played. I hadn't met Dylan yet inside of Pope and Young, but I always knew about Pope and Young, right. Quote unquote, like Pope and Young's archery get your stuff measured put it on the wall get it in the book great but I never knew the stuff that you guys taught me about what Pope and Young does for the archery industry and for the overall health growing into the future you know and how you guys went through the rebrand and I was there at your um, national event down in Reno afterwards and it just it really struck me to a core being a bow hunter since I was yay tall since I could shoot a gun I shot a bow right and my first animal I took was with the bow at 13 years old. And so I was just really excited to find out what Pope and Young really stood for. Like, what's the core value and what's inside of it, right? Like, let's take off that fancy. Yeah, I get to score my my deer or whatever I want to score right. or my elk or whatever it is. But let's let's take that first layer off and let's see the depth of it. You know, let's let's look at the 30 layers or 300 layers below that first layer. And that's what got me excited is the energy you guys brought the education and just knowing that there's more to it than just getting your name in a record book.
1: I'll tell you what I heard, Jason. I heard you got him in. I heard getting to know you got him interested. Then when he met me, he was all on board. That's what I heard at least. (laughs) That's what, yeah.
2: Actually, I think he, I think Thomas flagged me down. We were jumping on a plane. I think Portland down to wherever ATA was, was that two or three years ago?
3: That was 2000. 19.
2: Yeah. So it was a while back. And then, uh, you know, we started talking about your, you had a great product. You were, you had developed at that time. And, uh, then now, you know, now what, what are some of the things that you carry? I know it's, you have a bunch of different stuff, but I know for me, um, timing was good because you're, you rep for Baku bikes and, and sell bikes. And then they came on as a corporate partner. And so it was, uh, it was kind of a really good, everything kind of hit all at once and, and just seemed to really flow.
3: Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like, when decided to start up universal outdoor products, just want key component products that people can afford, right? Get discounts or at least have availability to it. And it's just very strategic in how we're doing it. So right now we have just three products. We had 11 products going into November. I removed the majority of them because they didn't fit our demographic or our culture, which we're trying to build inside of. I don't want to be a Lancaster archery or a badass outdoor gear. I'm not putting plugs for those guys. Both great companies. But I want to be that select where you come, you know, there's 12 to 15, maybe 15 to 20 products there and that's it. Like, you're getting stuff that I've used, that I believe in, that I've done my research, and I know the owners of the companies. I know what goes into their culture and their business aspect, not just their product. So, Baku is one of them. Um, I actually, I also produce a rack system, which we'll talk about. But the reason I chose to go with Baku, even though I sell my rack to now 13 different e-bike manufacturers, is their company culture, the way it's structured, their quality of bike, their price points and their customer service no other bike company out there can hit all five of those and that's when i ended up becoming friends with the owners um, over four years ago we've been talking they've been selling my product for an accessory on their bikes and it just grew from there so i ended up being the third top dealer within baku's organization in bike sales last year yeah and i do this as a passion part-time so you know you could imagine where it could go yeah so
2: well, i'd like to think that i helped contribute to that
3: yes you did <laughs> sir <laughs> it's a i, I guess, guess i got to have some fun I told you.
1: yeah <laughs> you know what 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 thomas just said is getting to know companies and getting to know businesses and you know i'll tell you thomas it wasn't it wasn't a, a hard decision we spent a day with you there at mountain archery fest and and I remember telling Jason, yeah. I'm like, this is the kind of dude we want to work with as a corporate partner. Like, you know, yeah. just great relationship and, and great business mindset and, and just great relationship value there. And, and, uh, you know, it wasn't a hard decision for Pope and young to say, Thomas is the exact kind of guy that we want to work with.
3: Yeah. And I, I appreciate that because it's gotta be that mutual feeling, right? You, you've got to have right. both sides of it, right? The passion and the drive and the heart for bow hunting and conservation but then also when you run a business, you got to have that business sense and that know-how, you know, it's, it's like a teeter tolerator. There's gotta be a balance there, right? You can't be super heavy on one and not the other, because then it doesn't work in the outdoor industry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And we found that. And it's, you know, we've, we have right now a phenomenal lineup of corporate partners, you know, everything from universal outdoor products, we've got Baku, we've got Garmin, you know, we've got Hoyt Easton, We've got a huge lineup um, of, of just the top names out there. And we've had some experiences, even for us, where it just wasn't the right fit. You know, they, they had different ideas or, or did things differently. And and it's kind of nice for us that that we're in a position to where we can get the, the companies and the people and the organizations on board that, that really fit well with who we are as an organization.
3: And and I can see that and I can I can hear it in the way you guys talk, the way you present yourself, the amount of um, energy and time you guys put into the rebrand this last year. You know, the convention was awesome. That was my first Pope and Young convention. It was great. I'll definitely be back. I mean, I drove from Washington to Reno, so obviously yeah. I wanted to be there. Right. <laughs> so,
2: yeah, honest. Sure. Uh, and you found out about that, I, I think. That was like a 10-day turn for you. Yeah, uh, it was that, like, if, hey. If that. I
3: think you're you, being generous there.
2: <laughs> might be, because it was, it was one of those things where we're like, hey, you know, here's what we're talking about. If if we could get you a a, a Baku tri-course in the hotel, would you want to go? And you're like, absolutely. I don't know how I'm going to do it, because I have these other two commitments. But <laughs> And then you made it happen. Yeah. So.
1: It, it was great, and uh, and I know back worked with you on that. During us setting up for the show, um, I was riding a bike around, and I rode it back to like our staff area, and uh, and surprise, they're, they're surprise, <laughs> yeah, and they're set. Um, Krista, uh, one of our staff members, and and I said, Krista, girl, you got to ride this thing, you got to try this. She's like, that's not for me, and I'm like, hop on this. So she took off, and she went around the corner, and she was gone for like an hour. And I'm like, what in the world? And uh, I'm sitting there waiting. I'm like, I want my bike back, you know? I'm not walking anywhere this week. And uh, and then all of a sudden, one of our board members comes around on that very bike. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? We're passing my, bi- my bike around now. What's going on? And uh, Krista comes back around the corner. She looks like a sad little puppy, and she's like, listen, I was having so much fun uh but one of the staff members of the hotel said we got to put this thing up and I'm like dang it Chris I'll let you have it for 30 minutes and I lose all access to it Yeah. <laughs> so we had a lot of fun
2: yeah definitely
1: no, they're, so they're... how was
2: your uh how's your bow season this year Thomas
3: oh limited to none um <laughs> so this this season was more of a, a step back i was getting my kids into archery hunting this year um which you guys i believe you both met um Eva and noah at the mountain archery fest um archery shoots and uh, you know both of them got up to their 40 40 plus pounds here so we only got to sit a couple of days though just because of the weather and just the way things were going um so my my concentration in washington was them for archery i did spend three weeks in montana um first time hunting montana the rut was way late. I went for a week early, and then I went for a week and a half, so not quite three weeks um, towards the end. And they were just starting to rut that going into the second week of October. Like, <clears throat> um, and September 28th, six bulls still walking by themselves, all six by sixes, not herded up. Only found two herd bulls with with groups of cows. Um, found I actually got up on a small group of a spike five cows and two calves. I come up, I was about 8, 7,800 feet up and I come up over this ridge and I could smell them. I knew where they were there. And I kind of snuck around and I'm standing 15 feet from a spike eating, doesn't even have any idea I'm there. And I'm just waiting. I'm like, there's gotta be a bull in this group. Right. And I'm just waiting, waiting. And they all kind of congregated and, and walked around and no, no bugles, no bull. So I was, I was really disappointed, but I did have one experience, which was pretty awesome is, uh, we got on, a, we sounded like a nice bull, which you never know because it doesn't really make a difference what they sound like, right? I've been able to prove that over the years. But um, we got this bull, Tristan stayed back, good friend of mine, Tristan Travol with uh, uni, or with 6am um, Outdoors, which I sell his products, but he stayed back and he called. So every time he called that bull with Bugle, I'd get closer, I'd get closer. So I got to within about 18 yards of him in his bed. And it's super thick, like I could see through little pockets and I could see him and I could see his rack kind of turn. And so he finally stands up and he comes out and he tries to walk out of the thick stuff and he's banging his rack. He's about a 360 bull. He's a six by seven, just phenomenal bull. Like, I mean, biggest bull I've had an opportunity to even be that close to get a shot on. Tristan thought he was raking a tree because of his horns hitting, trying to get through the brush. Well, he couldn't get through, so he turned and come up this backside of the thicket, so I've got a jack like nine feet in front of me and he's standing behind that jack and I can like feel him breathing. And I'm just like, I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I'm just sitting there, you know, behind another little tree. I mean, he's going to step out and turn and his nose is going to be touching the end of my arrow and he's just sitting there. And then he just kind of goes, ah. and then he turns and walks through the thick stuff and walks down the drainage and walks away. Doesn't respond anymore. Mm. nothing. I was like, did it bust anything? So, that was an awesome experience like i'm a I'm a faithful man too so i love being out with nature and, and my lord and it's like getting out there and just experiencing it even though i didn't get to take a shot was successful for me being within nine feet of a bowl of that caliber yeah so
2: yeah so, but that was
3: that was it for my bow hunting this year which was
2: that's really some good. of the when people talk about the intimacy of archery and how you get the extra interactions that's exactly what they're talking about. Because with the rifle, you could have put one probably through the brush and got that done before any of that ever happened. And here, the entire experience was after when it would have been over with, with another means of of, of weapon. So how, how cool to get an experience like that.
3: Oh, 100%. And that's, you know, that's why I bow hunt. That's why most of us bow hunt, right? We want that experience. We want to know that we're the alpha out there, not for an ego boost, but that we can connect and be just as predatorial as any animal walking the planet. And how do you do that? You archery hunt and you take it to the next level like Dylan does with traditional archery, right? Which, uh, I'm contemplating on switching to traditional and committing for this whole year for that, but I haven't done it yet.
2: You know, I, I am not, I, it's the whole trad thing interests me. And, and there's, I got to share an an antelope camp with some trad guys this year. And, and obviously when you talk to Dylan on the, uh, on the podcast, or just when you talk to Dylan in general, you know, he's, it's something he's into and he enjoys it. I'll tell you what, there is something pretty nice about just having your arrow blow through there and, you know, not have to wonder, you know, at, at 80 pounds, it's a, I have a little better chance of that happening, I think, than if I switch to a recurve.
1: So two things happened this year. Two things happened this year where I thought to myself, like, why didn't I go full bore with it? Um, Because I was bouncing back and forth between compound and recurve this year, and one time I shot a doe with my compound, and she was at like 14 yards. And I come to full draw, and before I shoot this deer in my mind, because I had been working all year long with the recurve, And in my mind before I shot that deer, I thought to myself, I would feel more comfortable right now if I had my recurve. Like I've put so much time and effort into it. I feel better equipped with my recurve than I do my compound. And then the second one, I had a a nice buck and I had a nice buck come in and and he was at like 10 yards. And I just thought to myself, and I sent Jason a video of the, or I showed him a video of the deer and he's like, dude, I would have shot that in an instant. And I'm like, you know what, what stunk was, I thought to myself, I'm like, if I had my recurve, this would be the highlight of my year to shoot this deer. But since I have my compound, it's just not quite there for me yet. And then I thought, like, so for anybody who's considering the switch, like, why do I want to take away the excitement of of not shooting one, of, of shooting one with my, my recurve because I wanted to hunt with a compound? And it's just, I mean, that's, it, those were the two things this year where I thought, like, I just need to go full in with this. There, There is no back and forth, you know. And I'll still hunt with a compound, I, just because I enjoy it. I mean, I, I really enjoy shooting a compound as well. I just love archery, but um, those are the two things that happened to me this year where I'm like, yeah, the switch was right r- was right for me. Um, and Jason, I did, I got a complete pass through on the deer I shot this year with my recurve. Just so you know.
2: Well, that's good. Very yes. nice. So does that mean next year you're you're all in? You're you're a trad guy from now on?
1: Well, again, it's one of those things where I want to be but I still love shooting a compound. Like I love yeah. the mechanics of a compound. I love the speed of a compound. I love, maybe I love shooting a compound more than I love hunting with a compound. Um, but then uh, again, I just trick myself into thinking like I need to go hunt with my compound. And then things happen where I'm like, I wish I had my recurve. And so, you know, I don't know uh, because again, I just love archery. Um, I, so we'll see. But uh, definitely this year it was, is it about 50, 50, Um, and no matter what, it will be more on the recurve side this year, 75, 25, whatever it ends up being. But, um, yeah, it'll certainly be more just because it's so much more fulfilling and so much funner.
2: Yeah. And see, I hear about that and I'm like, you know what, maybe I need to give this a bigger shot, but, uh,
3: you, you guys know Lou, right? I don't remember his last name in Colorado. He come over to you guys' booth. Um, I forget his last name. He's got a bunch of animals in the record book.
2: I, I remember him. who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Lou. I think it's Hobbs, Lou Hobbs. Um, I'm going to, he's going to kick, kick my ass when he finds out. I forgot his last name, but um, he's a trad guy and I went to his house and I mean, he's got everything, lions, hippos, you know, everything you can believe probably s- similar to yours. He, he has a lot of SEI records plus a good amount of Pope and young records. And you know, he asked me, he goes, well, you shot trad before I said, yeah. He goes, but have you committed to it? I said, no. He goes, then you haven't shot trap. I said, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. He goes, when you make the switch and you decide it has to be all in. You have to put your compound, put your guns, put everything else in the safe, lock it, change the change the code on it, and forget it for a year. And he goes, you just got to concentrate. Because he said it isn't just a way of shooting. It's a way of hunting. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of life. He goes, the way you move is different. Because you don't have that, oh, I only have to get to 60 yards. No, you've got to get to 20 yards or whatever it is, right? So he goes, everything changes. Your your experience with what's around you changes. You start having better reception of what's going on from, you know, the little branch you might not have worried about carrying a compound or a gun, which now you're going to be like, no, I'm not rubbing that twig. I'm not touching this. I've got to move this way or that way. He said it's just a completely different mindset. I don't know if you've dealt with that or not, Dylan, going through, you know, tails you know, and being in the field with the recurve.
1: I definitely know what he means. Um, because I've I've felt I've heard people talk about it. I've felt it before. And I think on that scale, it's like if you ever want to shoot one with your recurve, you've got to leave the compound at home. Same with the compound. If you ever want to shoot a deer with a bow, you've got to leave the rifle at home. Yeah. Like I, I understand that mindset. But I told somebody, somebody asked me at one point, they said, "So are you going 100% trad? And I said, no, because I wanted to start shooting a recurve to be more well-rounded in archery, not to limit myself to one form of archery. Um, And so for me, it's like, I just love the sport of archery. And if I go traditional only, all of a sudden I've cut out all of the fun things about shooting a compound. And all of the, you know, I, I love going out and shooting at 60, 70, 80 yards. I love that. And and now I understand you can still shoot distance with a, uh, a, a recurve. It wouldn't be the same distance, but you can still shoot long shots with a recurve. But I just love that aspect of archery and stretching the distance of, of a compound. And so, man, I don't want to block myself off and say I'm 100% this way because I moved to a recurve and wanted to learn that so I could be more well-rounded, not a one-sided coin and i'm not saying anybody who shoots recurve only is a one-sided coin i mean some of the best hunters that we know only shoot a recurve um but what I, that's just my personal preference is like i just want to enjoy the entire sport of archery so i had to add a recurve into that to to enjoy that that part of the sport
3: yeah yeah and and i get that right that yin and yang kind of push and pull because like i love shooting period whether I'm shooting trad or I'm shooting compound. And, you know, like you said, have like my bow, Jason, you know, I shoot 84 pounds. And yeah. so, you know, I like knowing I've got that power. I can do what I want with it. But for my own personal skill set to get better in the field, that's the whole reason why I thought about challenging myself this year to go trad only, because it's going to make me a better stalker in the field. Because even It'll make though you a I'm a better hunter, for mind, sure. Yeah, even in my mind, I'm thinking... With my compound, I still want to get to that 20 yards. I know I get to 60 yards, I get a clear shot. I'm going to get an itchy trigger, trigger finger, and I'm not going to wait till I get closer. You know, with the trend, it's going to force me to be a better hunter in between that 40 yard gap I'm trying to close that I would never attempt to do if I had my compound with me. Yeah. And so there's also be an
1: the yearbook. there's also probably four years ago where I really started to stretch out distances and get pretty good at shooting distances, um, you know, out to 120, 130. And, and yep. you know, I felt really confident at, at 80, 90 yards. And I would trick myself in the field into shooting that far. Well, on a whitetail, I mean, deer can be t- 10 yards away before your arrow gets there, I, I mean, at that distance. And so I made shots, and and I'm just like, why did I shoot that shot? Like, I know better than that. And so that was a part of the reason for the switch to me was, like, I want to become a, a more—I want to understand the animal better. I want to understand the ethics of, of being in close quarters with them and getting in there and not just saying, oh, I can shoot at um, 90 and, and launch in one. Um, and so that, that was another part of the reason for me uh, is wanting to just kind of be more intimate with that animal and take better shots, and a recurve is going to force you to take better shots.
3: Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent why I'm looking to get into that. You know, I'm not getting any younger, so I don't want to wait till I'm in my sixties to try it, and then I'm frail and, and not frail and nimble. But I'm not going to be the way I am right now at forty five, right? It's a, uh, it's just going to be one of those things. I'd rather learn it now instead of waiting till later and not being able to have that opportunity.
2: Yeah, Dylan's now laughing because he's a youngster, so yeah, he's what, like, yeah, twenty three. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to wait till I'm am, old uh, and in my forties.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) I think I'm 29. No, 28, 28. I'm 28. (laughs) I have to count. See, that's what happens I have to count.
3: (laughs) Right? When you you start shooting trad, your memory goes back to the older days where it's not as good, so you don't know how old you are. And so it's like, hey, I I feel younger now, you know?
2: (laughs) So are you shooting, Thomas, you shooting a recurve?
3: Um, I've been, I've been debating, right. I definitely, I shot a recurve years ago. Uh, um, Sel- Selmick, uh, wood, it was a nice 65 Sam- pound Samick sage. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a Samic. I don't know if it was a sage, but it was, it was a nice bow. I mean, it was, I don't know, like 500, 600 bucks, like not a crazy amount for it, but it was a nice shooting bow. I got decent within 30 yards. I mean, I was, I was hitting a pie plate, you know, at 30 yards, which for me was good back then. And I took it on a hog hunt um, in Georgia, actually. But they, the hogs were all nocturnal; nothing was moving. So I ended up shooting a handful of them with the AR with night vision, just so I shot, got to shoot something. And then we took the dogs out, and I got to use the, the knife and stuff, you know, and go through all that. And I've done that several times now. But I was like, "Yeah, let's try it." I did it for that year, and then I never, never did anything since. So that's one thing I'm going to probably get around to talking to Dylan about is the bear recurves and uh, the trad stuff that bear puts out, because I know they've got a really good product, you know, and it's not, there's some really good custom bows out there I've seen, you know, but it's hard for me to justify spending, you know, 1500 to $2,000 on a recurve. And so.
2: You got to commit to it.
3: Yeah, I know. Right. I'm, I'm definitely, I, I'm about 95% of the way there to commit to trad. I just got to figure out what I'm going to shoot.
1: Not too long ago, we had Tom Clem on, and uh, and he talked about selecting a bow, how to find a good bow uh, for a beginner. And so uh, I'll send you a link to that episode.
3: Yeah, definitely. I'll I'll listen to it for sure.
1: Yeah, it's it's nice. Although
2: when you're talking to guys like that, they know so much about it, that it's intimidating just to even talk to them. Cause you're, you know, you're starting from down here and these guys are up in the, you know, and, and even though they're great and would do whatever they could to help you, it's intimidating because, uh, you know, when you first start out, you don't even know what you don't know. And so right. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, I don't want to ask stupid questions and then I'll quit asking them, you know, <laughs>
3: Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Can't get an answer though if you don't ask. That, right?
2: That's <laughs> true. And you're going to learn one way. Might as well. Might as well not make it the hard way. Yes. Yeah.
3: Just right off the bat, tell me everything I'm not supposed to do. I'll make that list. I'll memorize it. Then we can talk about what I'm supposed to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <clears> so <throat> if if you could chase, so so you're one. If you had a trad like bucket list, what would you chase? What, what would be your top two animals chasing with a trad gear?
3: First, first thing would be, would be black bear spot and stalk. Okay. That'd be my first animal. I, I love bear hunting. I love the closer I get the better. Like I, I want to, I want them either growling and snapping at me or not even knowing I'm there until the arrow goes through them. You know? So it's a, uh, I just love being able to stop. Did you ever me.
1: see that video of, Clay Newcomb, and he's sitting behind a a uh, who's the editor of Bear Hunting Magazine, but um, he was sitting behind like a, a a blind that he made out of out of sticks and stuff, and and the bear actually comes by and knocks his arrow with his mouth, um, yeah. and then turns and walks off, and he ends up shooting it at, like five yards. Like that wow. is that's the most phenomenal footage I've ever seen of a bear hunt. Like it's incredible.
3: Yeah, no, I I remember seeing that that one and uh Tim Wells with his blowgun with that big bear on his <laughs> yes. bait pile. I don't know if you've seen that or not, yeah. but he, he shoots like a four hundred plus pound bear with a blowgun at like five feet from the end of his blowgun on this bait pile, six feet, and it's just like insane. I'm like, i like, that'll be next. First, I'll do the trad, then I'll <laughs> do the blowgun.
2: <laughs> yeah, you better do that while you still have the lungs
3: right oh, man. And i'm like <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> yeah I, I, I could pull an 80 yeah. pound bow, bow i'm not sure how many pounds i could generate with my lungs
3: right yeah it's it's interesting like uh i had some good conversation with tim over the years he actually uses one of my products and i'm i was supposed to hunt with them in alaska two years ago and spear my first black bear with them and then COVID hit and all that our hunt got canceled so which hopefully we'll be able to get it set back up next year. But um yeah, he he tried to talk me into it. He goes, Well, why don't you just bring me the blowgun up too and uh see if you can get one? I'm like, no, I'll I'll do the spear first. Yeah. I'm not I'm not ready yet to try to do freaking kill a bear with a little ass dart.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's uh I- I'm good with the big dart, you know. Thirty right? some <laughs> inch. Did you ever you see know. the
1: video of him doing baboons with a blowgun?
3: Yeah, and he's he's
1: insane. Those things are fierce, dude.
3: Yeah. Well, and that's one thing, too. So when you look at instinct hunters like that, right, that's one thing going back to the trad conversation is I want to bring more of my instinct, my, my hunter, my predator, my alpha instinct from being in the woods out. And, like, you know, you watch him shoot, all his is instinct. Three finger, oneida bow, no sights. Everything is instinct from ducks and geese out of the air to a running baboon at 90 yards. It's insane what he's been able to develop inside of his instinctual shooting. I've never worked on that before. And I think trad will help unlock that and develop that. And that's, that's another reason just to kind of put the icing on the cake there.
2: So it would be interesting. Cause I started off even with my first compound, I started off just instinctive shooting. Um, you know, I think eventually I went to a site, but this was pre range finder days. So a site was just, you know, even then you were just guessing it's kind of like, well, I think that's 30 yards and then you'd shoot it and you'd, you know, be over their back. And you're like, Oh, Nope. Looks like it was 25. And, right. uh, so that's, I started off that way. So it'd be interesting to see if I went back to that. If, if any of it's still there, it's a long time ago,
3: Well that yeah. And that's, that's like shooting the archery courses when they have non-marked yardage with no range finder usage. Right. Cause we have two courses by my house where we go through in the competitions, no range finder and no marked yardage. So you've gotta, you've gotta be able to identify what, you know, your yardage at least. So that's like a portion of it. But then I look at, okay, what if I didn't have my sight? Yeah. You know, could I still hit that without my sight? And I don't think I could right now, right? Because I've lost that. I've walked away from it because I got too comfortable in knowing i got a rangefinder and I got my sights and I can shoot a target at 110 yards. So why, why do I need to think about it? Yeah. Right? This, this way, at least I got to start thinking a little bit more and slow myself back down to enjoy the moment of the shot and the drawback, you know, like I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. I love compound shooting. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I will always have at least one or two. I think I've got five out in the garage right now. But, you know, I will always have them here. My kids will shoot compound, you know, but it's just I want to better myself. And and I do this in all areas of my life. I mean, that's why I do the four dimensional business coaching. And that's why I do what I do inside of, you know, my leadership, accountability and production trainings. So,
1: yeah, I'll tell you what I what I've come to work on is people ask me, what's your effective range? And I just say my backyard. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I've got, in my backyard, I've got eight 3D targets. And they're anywhere from zero to 32 yards spread out. And that's what I want to become effective at, 32 yards. And that way I know, like if I look at an animal, I can just think, yeah, that's inside my backyard and shoot it. Um, now, I still carry a rangefinder. I'm not that cool. Um, but really, for <laughs> me, that's just like, because you can easily trick yourself. You see a big deer, you can trick yourself into thinking... Yeah, he's inside 32 when he's at 41 um, just because you want to shoot him. And so really for me, that's just to make sure like if they're on that fringe um, of being too far, that's for me to make sure, OK, they're inside 32. Uh, but then once they get inside that 32, I can pretty much just kind of guess where they're at. Like, I don't have to I don't have to range to know if they're at, at 10 or 15. Like I can pretty much figure that yep. out.
3: Yeah, and, and I definitely will carry a rangefinder for sure, you know. And just to be able to verify and know my comfort zones, especially just starting out with trad, you know, but um, we've got, there's so much technology out there. And I mean, I mean, just for the the ease of people getting an archery, like we're talking about the more the, I, I look at it as extreme, right? Like long range, I don't think is as extreme as shooting trad. Like I think trad takes more work, more effort than shooting out to a hundred yards. You know, I was I was shooting with hundred yards since I was 15. And um, it's having that ability and that technology, though, for people to come in and start shooting archery, even if you don't bow hunt, right? This is what a lot of people, especially in this area that I know, they love to target shoot. They just love shooting. They love archery shooting, outdoor courses, indoor courses, but they don't hunt, right? So it's like, it's even there, it goes back to that, you know, okay, you can still enjoy archery and the art of, you know, being an archer. And and not hunt, but at least educate yourself inside of what conservation is and what we do as bow hunters, yeah. and why we yeah. still have the land and the animals we have today is because of people like us and the conservation that goes on. Yeah. And the the hunters that are out there. So, yeah.
2: N- nothing to get. Nothing wrong with target shooters. We just we're here to make sure that if you ever choose, if you ever think, hey, you know what, I'd like to try hunting. We want to make sure you still have that opportunity available to you.
3: Yes, hundred percent. Yep. Yeah, I love that. Fun, yeah. fun. So, so,
2: do we want? To, so, with uh, your uh, with ahead. your compound, would it be would it be black bear with the compound, or what would your top quarry be for that?
3: Compound's a uh, um, brown bear up in Alaska. Okay. Yep. And so I, I still haven't been able to do that yet. Like, like I, I would love to go to Africa, but I want to wait till my son's 13 and I want us to go together. I don't see myself doing the big five just cause I, by the time he's 13, it's probably going to cost me a half a million dollars. And I don't see spending that on, yeah. <laughs> on the hunt, you know, but in like, that would be fun. Like, I would love to go over there and, and hunt whatever I could over there archery that would, you know, compound and or trad combo. But for here, for North America, um, 100% uh, brown bear. And then, uh, you know, moose after that, mm. you know, I'd like to be able to get a nice moose. You,
2: you know, what's neat so. is we just had our last guest was uh, the magazine writer for us does the adventure bow woman column, uh, Johnny Marie. And she came on, she's from Alaska and she shot a brown bear with her bow before she ever shot a deer. Imagine that. Right. That's, uh, yeah, that'd I know. Be
3: awesome. I'd be yeah. Stoked. She was
2: talking about that. She's like, you know, I've shot black bears and brown bears, but I'd never been deer hunting before. And it's like, you, you look at that and it's kind of a, a, uh, uh, coming the other way around the, around the neighborhood to get there.
3: Yeah. But it, it's, it's an easy, accessible path for them yeah. get right there, right? Like every two to four years, they get a brown bear tag or an inland grizzly tag, either way, depending on where they're at. Right. So they can, they can do that. Like I know a guy that runs a fishing, um, outfit out of Yakutat, which is kind of in between, um, Anchorage and Homer or something like that. I forget where it's at. I've been up there twice. I wired two of his cabins for him and did some hunting and fishing up there, but his boat guide up there, you know, he's like, yeah, he goes, you know, I, I get a tag every three years for here. And he goes, I, I get my bear. He goes last year, I got a 10 foot three, 18 and a half year old bear, no teeth in it. And he goes, the thing was a beast he's like he goes i i really wanted to do with the bow but i was moose hunting he goes we got our moose we got back to shore and he goes i look and the sand's still moving in wow. the track and he goes so i knew he was close so he goes i just walked down the beach and he goes i was like what the heck's going on and he goes i pulled my scope and i look into the trees and there's a flutter going on and he goes it looked like a hummingbird and he goes then i kind of backed off and realized it was only 70 yards away it was the bear blinking ah. Because he had like a twig in his eye, looking at him, and so he pulled up and shot him, and then it came out, and charged him, and he shot him again. And uh, but you know, like he said, he goes, you know, I I can shoot a bear before I can shoot a moose or a deer. He goes, they're just more readily huh. available when you get a tag yeah. up here. He goes, it's easy to get them. I was like, yeah, yeah you say that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one thing to get a tag; Correct. it's another thing to get close enough to get a brown bear with a bow. Although the people. Yeah.
3: And I, and I wouldn't shoot, I wouldn't do it without yeah. a bow. Like, I wouldn't do a, an inland grizzly or, or a brown bear with a gun. And, I mean, there's very few guides out there that'll take me. Tim, Tim Wells, his guide let him spear that grizzly bear two years ago out of the tree stand. And um, he's the only place that you can spear, spear grizzlies. And, you know, he does one every two years. Mm. And he's like, if you ever want to mm. come up and spear one, he goes, you, you can come on up. He goes, Tim passed on one that was... 30% bigger than one he got. He should have just shot, got it. It was day two. And he's like, Oh, I don't want it over. And then he finally got his on day 28. So 28 days of sitting in the stand before he got his second opportunity. Dang. You know, I'm like, I was like, that'd be pretty, pretty neat to do. But you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's been my bucket list since I pulled my first bow back. And I seen an article in the old, old outdoor life magazines, you know, way back, you know, when me and you yep. were kids, Dylan wasn't even conceived yet. But, uh, (laughs) and, um, you know, they had a picture of this guy on the front cover and he had a a Kodiak brown bear on his back. This guy's like six, three ex football player. And the head was as wide as his shoulders, you know? And then I ended up reading that article and he bow hunted it. And it was just like, I'm like, I'm doing that before I die. I'm doing that. You know,
2: it's when, when I first started here, it had not, you know, it's, it's going on almost four years now, but. You know, brown bear with a bow is just not anything that would have made my list, but man, you talk to people and they just, they enjoy it. You know, I mean, it's Chris the other day, that that's his thing is he wants to go chase grizzlies with a bow and, uh, the, the folks that have done it, they just love it. They just really enjoy it. So there's gotta be something there.
3: I- well, I mean, I, I look at how fun it is for me to go after black bears, right? So, I mean, you you put that next level of intensity, and I could be a, bo- a bear's ball movement tomorrow type of thing, you know. And it puts a whole yeah. new twist on Although, it.
2: Although, how big was that bear in in uh, Was it New Jersey? Eight hundred and some pounds? Yeah, that's just
3: they're just they're just not as aggressive, though. You know, it's it's not like yeah, you know, you you've got to worry about you know. I mean. The majority of the bears I've been around, you know, and even working a little bit with Blaine Anthony with the Bear Whisperer back when I was doing um, the shows and stuff, you know, it's like to get a bear, a black bear, angry or to come at you to charge, they've either got to be starving, sick, or um, breeding season, and or with with cubs, right? I mean, there's some four key things with any animal for the most part, but I mean, it is hard to get bears to come after you. I had a bear reach its paw in one of my ground blinds before. You know, and I stepped on it, and it jumped back and growled, and circled the the blind, come back and sat at thirty yards, and I had my buddy shoot it. You know, so it's like, but it was just being, you know, um, investigating. It was just curious. It was like, oh, what's that yeah. type of thing? Didn't know we were in there. But then you look at brown bears or grizzlies. You know, I mean, they look at you, and you've got a l- lot larger of a chance of them looking at you as, yeah, I'm gonna eat you. Like, I <laughs> yeah, there's there's no like.
1: Well, they'll, they'll kill you just to show that they're the biggest. They'll, yes. they'll kill you just to show they're the baddest in the woods. Yep. Now, where
2: do you do your black bear hunting? Where do you where do you like to go for that?
1: And so, I mean, I, well, here
3: in Washington, it's nice because it's over the counter in the fall. Spring, we just got attacked um, by anti-hunters and everybody else and had our spring bear revoked. And then we got enough people with uh, backwoods and uh, black bear, I forget their organization, putting out petitions that we got it to get revisited um, and, you know, re-listened to. And right now they pulled it back out and gave it back to us. But we're the, between the first and second largest population of black bear in the United lower 48 usually goes between Mm. Wisconsin and Minnesota and um, Washington. So we're we're always in first or second, 25 to 28,000 bears that they know of that they've recorded. And they're like, oh, bear populations are down. It's like, no, you don't allow us to trap. We can't bait. We can't use hounds. So you can't use any of that. We just got electronic calling approved three years ago to be able to call them. So two years ago, me and my son got Drew's spring bear tags, and I actually called two bears in within two weeks, one for him and then one for me, mm-hmm. which was nice. But I, I love being able to hunt here because it's in my backyard. I mean, honestly, yeah. the, the only real good hunting in in washington and in my mind is bear hunting bear hunting and that's pretty when you're looking at i want good hunting for an animal washington i think of bear and then um i started hunting montana last year which was super fun i seen 12 bears in two and a half days me and tristan traval we both shot a bear i i went there two days before him and then when he got there i'm like i already got bears picked out i was like we're Well, you know, you can just pick which one you want. I know where they're going to be. I've already found them. And, uh, you know, we got two bears within five and a half hours. So, wow. Yeah.
2: That's pretty good.
3: Yeah. it's, It's fun. The, the crazy mountains over there are something else. So they're not for the faint of heart. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. I know you hear a lot of, um, when you hear black bear hunting, I've seen a lot of TV shows and whatnot, like on British Columbia. And so it makes sense with Washington being right under that 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 they'd have some good bear hunting. I know, I know. I'm just south of there in Oregon, and there's bears around. But man, it's they they hang out where you don't see them much. I mean, yeah. they're in the thick stuff that you just. Good
1: luck. Right now, your top five states are Wisconsin, Washington, Oregon, hmm. um, and Maine. And Idaho. Yeah,
3: as you say, Maine should be there too. So Oregon, I want to hunt. I want to bear hunt. So I was talking to one of your members. Um, he's going to want to kick me in the ass too, because I've just, I forgot his name. I'm drawing a blank.
1: Tim Razuski.
3: Yes. So he showed me a bunch of his pictures. He goes, you want to come down, come down, let's hunt, you know? And I mean, he's got some toads. I mean, some of the pictures that I've seen that of the bears that they've been able to pull out of Oregon. I mean, just, just absolute, just, they're they're great bears. I mean, amazing bears.
1: So, must be nice because me and Jason asked. Yeah, them, he said no. So he said, "Bear hunting? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah I don't know. In, I think there's
2: bears around. I don't know who to hunt them."
1: <laughs> there's only there's only nine states in the lower forty-eight that do not contain bears, and I live in one of them. So that sucks because I love bears.
3: What state do you live in again? Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 they're just hiding. What's happening? Yeah.
1: There's nowhere for them to hide. It's all flat. they just be laying in corn. It's all uh, corn,
3: but they're, uh, they're hiding in the corn. Yeah. Just like they, yeah. Just like they do in North Carolina. They just sit and lay in the corn and eat all day and sleep all night.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't guess. know what in the wild doesn't like corn. Everything eats right? corn.
3: That's, Well, and that's one thing, like, you get back over to the East Coast, right? East Coast, people don't realize, unless they start looking into it, produce huge bears. Absolutely just mammoth bears. Pennsylvania, North Carolina, even South Carolina. Jersey. You know, you, um, Jersey. Yeah, I mean, New Jersey, New York. I mean, they just, that pocket right there produces just, I mean, the the world records are always out of that pocket. They're always, you're always, your 550 to 850 pound bears come from that pocket. And from what I've been told through biologists and stuff, a lot of those areas, they don't fully hibernate, kind of like here in on the peninsula because we have the rainforest. So in the area I'm at, it doesn't freeze. Like the biggest bear I've shot to date, I literally shot 45 minutes from my house on a small little mountain they called um, in between the residential stuff. And I just happened to be out scouting for elk because it kind of connects up into the cascades up to Rainier. And... I come across the tracks, put a trail camera up, figured out she was in there, and I just went and I sat for four days, every day, and she come out at one thirty, and I shot her with my bow at seventeen yards, and she uh, was four hundred and four or three hundred and forty-seven pounds, and a sixteenth of an inch oh, off a of pole. wow! Yeah.
1: So that was, right there. That was a What's that? I hear those stories all the time, and I'm like, yeah, seventeen yards. You could have done it with a recurve, you yeah. know. I mean, yep. we, we, we... Yeah, I blew right through her stuck
3: in the tree and she, yeah, she's got a big old V chest, like gorgeous, like a tricolor. Like, um, she's got like red and brown tints mm. through her black fur. I mean, just gorgeous bear and hanging weight gutted at three forty seven for a sow and being, you know, right there from 18 inches. I mean, that's, that was a big sow. So,
2: yeah, that's cool. But, yeah. I didn't, I, you know, I knew we had bears here. I didn't realize we'd be in the top five in Oregon.
3: Yeah, no. Oregon's got phenomenal bear hunting, but it's all draw. So your your spring and your fall is all draw down there. or At least it used to be. No, fall's it
2: fall's over the counter. Spring is spring is draw. Is
3: it okay? Or yeah, the same it as Washington
2: fall's day. over the counter. But you know, um, you hear a lot of people that take you know bear hunting uh, here. Uh, it's almost a lot of incidental take is what you hear of more than anything. It's you know somebody's out you know, looking for a deer, sees a bear, shoots it with a rifle or whatever. Um, People don't bear hunt. I just don't hear. Yeah. You just don't hear that much about it versus, you know, when you think of, of bear hunting, you think of Wisconsin, you think of, you know, the, the main bear hunts, a big deal. So you, you hear about those way more so than here.
3: Well, and that's the thing. It's like, you got, you got people that aren't actual bear hunters, right? Yes, if the opportunity, the opportunity, you know, the opportunity comes up, yes, they'll take it. They'll have a bear tag. Tristan, one, you know, not a bear hunter. I have no, no urge to go bear hunting. He went up to Alaska, shot his first bear, spot and stalk on the coast with his bow, and he goes, you know, that was pretty cool. He goes, I'll get a tag and, and hunt with you in Montana. So then we went out, right. and he got, so he got two bears, one in Alaska, one in Montana, within three weeks, and he's wow. like, and I'm like, so what do you think? He goes, I would. I would spring bear hunt for sure. He goes, but I'm not going to fall bear hunt, you know, and he goes, cause I'm not going to give up any of my deer and elk time for a bear. He goes, right. I just don't like it that much. Right. And for me, it's, it's not about giving up the time. It's about segregating or splitting up your time and framing it out. So it works for you. Cause like here in Washington, our bear season starts August 1st in the fall. You got a whole yeah. month before deer season and elk season, same as in Oregon, I believe. Cause deer and elk start yes. beginning in September. And, uh, so you got a whole month of bear hunting first. It's like, if I can be out hunting, I don't care what it is. I'm going to get out, right. I'm going to grab my bow. I'm going to grab my gear. If the kids go with me or not go with me, I'm going to go disappear for a day or three days or whatever it is. And I'm going to go, you know, try to get something. Yeah.
2: No, just one more opportunity to get out in the woods.
3: Yeah. Especially springtime. Like I, I love turkey hunting. I guided for 10 years, 30 plus people a year. You know, and and that was great, but like I always told my turkey hunters, I'm like, you know, apply for a spring bear tag. If you get it, yeah. we I can set you up in a spot to glass where I know there's bears. Or a lot of times I'll call bears into the turkey set. Like I had mm-hmm. one of my um, assistants; he was a kid, 19. He's leaning up against a tree sleeping, and I've got it on a video. I'd have to find the clip somewhere. That was about eight years ago, but I had this chocolate bear I had spotted that comes up and stands up and grabs the tree like this and he's looking out at our turkey decoys and he's his head's like two feet below the paws sleeping up against the tree like this and and i'm videoing it obviously I, i wouldn't let anything happen to him i mean i was ready to to scare the bear or whatever but that bear got down kind of walked over walked out sniffed our decoys turned walked back in and went out but nobody had a bear tag So afterwards I showed him the video and he's like, you son of a, how could you let that bear get that close to me? You know, like he wasn't going to eat you. Don't worry. (laughs) So,
2: but that's cool. What, what a neat, Yeah, I put that on my screensaver, right? This bear kind of hovering over. Yeah.
3: No, it was, it was neat. It was just, it was a, it was really, really good experience. Like I've had a, I've had so many close calls and encounters with clients and with myself and bears that it's just, it's one of those experiences you don't get, like, hearing them chuff, hearing them chomp, hearing their growls, their breathing, and, you know, it's like, those are things that even listening to it on the screen or on your phone, it's not the same. Like, it makes, even if you're comfortable in it, it still gives you goosebumps to makes your hair stand up, you know, you're just like, oh, yeah. you know, And I mean, some people are like, you know, and they it scares the crap out of them, but like, it excites me. It's like, it gets the blood pumping, you know?
2: Yeah what uh what are the odds what kind of odds do you have on your spring seasons up there
3: i've been 100 percent it... since i moved here almost 15 years ago
2: really okay if
3: i draw That's... i'll get a bear and so and i know how about for early.
2: the draw though how about for the draw so What's your, your, your draw, draw
3: is for? about four years three to four years okay. depending. i've i've seen it go five six years but never over six years um, okay and it depends on what they do with the tags i mean like They've been given out about 687 spring tags. There's only uh, about five units you can hunt in the state with the spring tag. And, um, you know, average kill rate is 103 to 127 bears. And that's it because it's all spot and stalk or calling. Most people don't even realize you can call or they don't know how to call. I use not throwing out any names here, but I use a, a Fox Pro. I set it up at 100 yards. And the bear normally will circle it, so I always hope for the bear to circle on the inside. So for my kids, they use rifles still right now, but um, I always try to get them to where they'll they'll circle. And sometimes I'll even use a fawn decoy because I always do fawn in distress. Fawn in distress hmm. works in the springtime a hundred percent better than any other call for black bears that I've found in the northwest, anyways. And so I mean, it it pulls the bears out. One morning I had seven bears come into it, True. so. I mean, you can, if there's bears in the area and you, and you start calling, they're, they're going to come in the springtime. They're hungry. They're aggressive. Interesting. They, they want to eat. They're chomping, they're slobbering, they're foaming. Like they're excited that there's a meal in front of them.
2: Huh? That's pretty cool.
3: Yeah. But you got to get a tag, right? In the fall yes. time, you can still call in the fall time, but they're not as aggressive. You know, you'll get like the day I got seven bears, that same area in the fall time, if I get one, maybe two bears during the day to come in, I'm I'm doing pretty good because there's so much foliage out there with the berries starting to pop and everything else. I mean, they're just they're not that aggressive because they've been able to feed for the last you know two three months.
1: Yeah. So when you're calling bears, is it a that and they don't want to? They want to maintain as much energy as they can. They don't want to exert it to go yeah, get food. 100%. So if they're laying in berries to eat. They don't want to give up energy to go get a. Yeah, they're fawn, they're lazy because uh, they're trying to hold on yeah, to. As black much bears are game.
3: lazy when it comes to fall time.
1: So are
2: you? Um, you like making a set like you do, looking for turkeys, where you're, you know, hiking a ridge, setting up, you know, calling for a while, and then give it. What do you give it? An hour, and then move on, or?
3: Yeah, I usually with bears, I like to do two hours so it's it's a little bit longer i mean you'll hear people say no yeah you'll hear people say 35 40 minutes the thing with bears is normally if if your set's here if that bear is in a cone about 45 degrees out from either direction he will turn and come in if he's past that 45 degrees if he's 90 degrees out from you eight out of ten times he's not even going to give you the time of day he's going to stay on his path and he's just going to keep walking to where he's walking So they've got to kind of be in that, in that cone shape of where you're calling from. So that's why I like to sit for about two hours because they'll go out and wander around. And at some point they might come into that cone and now you're into somewhat of the direction they're going. So now they're going to continue to go that way because they're in, you know, in their biological connection, they're going that way anyways. And now they got the potential of food.
2: Mm, Okay.
3: And so that's what, that's what I found with my experience. I mean, there's, You'll find all different types of verbiage and experience. Like, um, you know, even with uh Waller, you know, she's a big bear hunter, you know, trying to get on yeah. a spot to go with her and John over in Montana, either this year or next year. Like, I mean, she will, she is a true definition of a bear hunter. She will bear hunt before she elk hunts or deer hunts or anything else. Like she, she fully enjoys bear hunting and she's got some amazing bears over in Idaho and Montana, Wyoming, and, um, but you know, same thing. I mean, it's a lot of it's spot and stock, right? You find them mm-hmm. and you go after them. Not many people call. And I'm, I tell people, if you're hunting in the spring, you need to call 100%. Gotcha. If you know, there's bear in the area, you find sign set up and call.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, if I draw a tag this year, I may have to give you a call.
3: Yeah, no, I'll come down and hunt so, with you. I'll come down and call.
2: Yeah. That's, uh. That's interesting. I had a tag last spring season and then it just, you know, things with everything we had going on with COVID and with the rebrand, I just didn't get as much time out as I would have liked, but, uh, um, might have to do that. might have to try that again.
3: Yeah, I would, I would definitely put in a but I mean, you got a good asset on your team too. So I'd be poking at him a little bit more, poke at the bear, get him to give you some information, but, uh, you, you draw that tag, you know, and you need somebody to come down. I mean, as long as I have the time available, I mean, I'm always up for, for coming and assisting. Like I loved guiding when I guided for the 10 years I did because most of the people I guided, you know, were either new hunters or kids or vets or disabled vets. You know, there was, there was a lot of people paying for other people to come with me and then corporate guys that the only time they get to hunt is when a trip gets paid for them. So they're not technically, you know, they don't classify themselves as hunters, but they get to come out and have the experience, not like the rifle camps. Like my, you know, my dad would go to with his buddy where they just sat and drank for three days and maybe a hundred for three hours. Right. It's like, no, I actually teach people about conservation. I take them out, teach them how to hunt the animals, why we do certain things, why the setup. So they go back educated and, and not, I'm kind of going off on a different path here, but it sparks the flame. Right. They, yeah. they came there with the idea as I'm not a hunter, but I'm here to hunt and they leave. I am a hunter and I want to start hunting, you know, yeah. so I, I love that aspect. So anytime I get to go with anybody, it's just, you know, for me, it's, it's a bonus. So
2: outstanding. Well, it's got my mind thinking all of a sudden there's, um, definitely thinking about opportunities coming up. So I like it. Well, I'll tell you what, Thomas, one of the things that we ask every guest on this show is when you find yourself in the backwoods up on the mountain, what is one piece of gear, maybe a non-traditional type of piece of gear that you find yourself taking along and not wanting to be without?
3: So, and this this is going to sound like a plug, but it's not, but, uh, it's, uh, honestly, since I've got into the big mountains, cause I'm originally from the Midwest in Michigan. So back there, it just freaking walk for a day. You're going to find a farm or something, right? Um, but being in the mountains, going on solo hunts, going by myself, disappearing, no communication for four to six days at a time. One of the biggest things i found that's been a benefit, well, there, there's two things really. One thing is something to light a fire. So like I just started using pyro putty this last two years with their igniters and stuff. That's great to have, but is the uh, a tarp, a 6 a.m. tarp to be able to build a shelter, um, that's just for me, you know, you got to stay dry and you got to stay warm. I mean, those are the two key things yeah. to, to stay alive. Right. So if I can have some type of a tarp in my pack, no matter what, to where I know I can build some type of a temporary shelter to keep myself protected. And then with some way to be able to create a fire. I mean, those, those are the key things. And then when it comes, you know, that's more survival, right. But when it comes to the actual hunt, my binos. Like I gotta have the binos. Like if, now, if I don't have a set of binos, I feel lost.
2: Yeah. Now have you seen the new uh I don't know if the pictures have even made it out yet, but Pyro Putty has a brand new Pope and Young Bow Hunters blend.
3: Ooh, no, I have not seen that.
2: So, I'm surprised. That's I I'm I not sure. Do we Dylan, do we know when that's coming out? Looks pretty
1: cool. Um we do I mean we have it, we're ready it's at it's at the store or it's at the office there in Chatfield um, man we just got so busy with show season that we haven't really talked about pushing it out yet so. alright so should we yeah and
3: that's that's another company I have a follow up call with because we're going to be carrying at least per the conversation that at MAF at Mountain Archery Festival we're going to carry um, the Pyro Party products on our website that's going to be another company I add this year into our product line
2: yeah no, that's great. We're excited to, to have them on board. And and like I say, we're, we're to the point now where we, we kind of get to pick and choose who our corporate partners are going to be and who we want to work with. And um, what a neat position to be in to where we can have it that way. So. Um, just, well, and, just, and you
3: want it that way. You know, one of the biggest things I find businesses lose out on, and that's one of the things that I coach inside of my platform is being able to choose your customers, your clients, or what you're trying to expand into with your company, no matter what you're doing, right? Like from, from an outdoor company to where you could be like me selling, you know, somebody else's product plus my own product that I produce and or, you know, being in the business to where maybe you do marketing for companies, maybe you do, you know, the, the promotion part, maybe you run events or maybe you just you run the company overall, kind of like you're CJ Jason, where you're your hands are in multiple things, you know, and having that opportunity to choose. And that's when you bring the value to the table and you bring everything inside of your core foundation, that's what you get. You don't have to start chasing people because the right people will come to you, but you have to have that culture and that foundation. Otherwise you don't get to choose. You get whatever comes available and you take it because you're in survival mode, not in prosperity mindset.
2: Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah. Things are going good and, and, uh, it's exciting. You know, you, you make a list of who you'd like to work with. Um, you know, if you could, and then all of a sudden you start looking at your list of who you'd like, who you'd work with it, you could. And then that list matches up with who you're actually working with. It's pretty exciting.
3: Yeah. No, I so, love that. And that's yeah. just going to grow and expand because it's just going to make you guys more valuable in the future.
2: Yeah. Well, we're also trying to, um, you know, hopefully you've realized this, that we're trying to, to emphasize the partner in the corporate partner program, you know, yeah. where it's, how, what can we do for you? And not just gimme, gimme, gimme. So,
3: well, and that's, that's a different, you know, structure from 90% of the other companies out there that all want everything in the world, but they're not willing to give everything back. And then you see the type of partners they're left with or the type of, you know, um, of what they look like to the public eye, because you can see that it's made up of a bunch of broken pieces. You know, it's, it's not a nicely put together piece of artwork, like what Pope and young's turning into and And I think you guys are shaping it up very quickly with the new brand and stuff and, and the way you're picking and working with your partners. So, yeah. yeah.
2: So, well, I'll tell you what, Thomas, we appreciate you, uh, being on board with us as a corporate partner and, uh, Thanks for all you're doing for, for bow hunting and for Pope and young out there and, and taking some time to, to visit with us today, man. Always a, always a great opportunity to, to get to know somebody a little bit better.
3: No, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, if I can, I can put one more thing in here, if you guys don't mind you like mountain archery fest you is bet. coming up, registration's coming up February 4th is going to open. You know, we're we're a platinum sponsor with them. They actually just hired me on for business coaching and facilitating the executive side of it for this next two years to be able to help them grow and expand into different levels. And, you know, just to be able to take what they've already built and, you know, double down on it, which has been pretty awesome. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted people to realize, too, with the Universal Outdoor Products is it's a place to buy products, but it's also you can reach me there. If you're looking for assistance in your outdoor company, because I can give you a different perspective and different mindset. You know, I've, I've invested the last five years and, you know, not to say numbers, but over 350 K into my own development coaching platform to be able to help these outdoor industries and companies. Cause I see a lot of them struggle. And when I can do, you know, multiple, yeah. you know, five and six digit months, in a company that I'm just part-time in, in the outdoor industry, and I only do it here and there. It's not full-time, and I watch these full-time businesses struggle. They need help, and they don't know where to turn or where to go. You know, they can come to Pope and Young and ask you guys, say, hey, you know, we're having we're having problems inside of our business, or how do we expand, or we're having issues with our marketing. You know, can we get on the phone with Dylan or whatever? Having companies that are willing to share that, or at least say, hey, you know, you should, you should go and look at hiring somebody to come on and, you know, give yourself a boost. I think that's really ideal in this world, especially now this last two years with everything going virtual. Like, I mean, we're virtual right now, right? And a lot of people miss that boat. Like I've had my best two years because I was virtual before all this happened. And so, you know, and then when I talk to people at like archery events and stuff and, you know, I sit there and and I watch them change. Like I talked to an owner of a company for about three hours and within two days, he, he cut off his three-year and put his three-year target goal into one year to where he's doing full-time his product now, and he's not waiting the extra two years, and he took the step, and he's making three times what he was before because we were able to to outline a different path and plan, and I worked with him over a few months, you know? So yeah it's like people got to not be afraid or stuck in what they can't control, and they need to be able to come to executives like yourself, marketing masterminds like Dylan, and you know, let's, let's make this work. It's a $50 billion industry, the hunting industry a year. Right. I mean, it's, people don't realize like that's small in the gist of things. When you look at YouTube where they bring in $168 billion a week in advertising dollars, right? $50 billion is small, but as an outdoor company team up with people like Pope and young team up with other, other groups that are doing stuff, not just that have big names, you know?
2: yeah like like mountain archery fest you know we've been working with them since since the very beginning and you know brandon waddell and his team over there they're talk about partners i mean they're really good partners um we run the pint nights there we're looking at doing some regional style events with them this year up on the mountains and um you know that's part of our platform when we talk about promoting bow hunting that's part of how we want to do it is we want to get people out and, and let them see the Pope and young world record course at the mountain archery fest. That's, that's a neat opportunity.
3: Well, and, so. it, and it's huge. And that's one thing, you know, I'm going to end up making this extend, but that's the thing I was talking to a couple of your board members about at the convention, right? It's like, you've got, and I'm not, I'm not picking on Pope and young, but just in general, you got a lot of this old mindset, right? People are stuck in the old ways of doing things and they don't realize a $5,000 marketing budget should be for a month, not for a year. Right you know, yeah. setting up different partners needs to be and stuff that can, can grow and expand. Like me and Brandon have had, you know, several conversations on how he's going to lay this out this year and where he's going, the new media deck, everything else, registration. Like I helped that their team walk through all that and being able to expand and expose Pope and young more, you know, that's going to be a place to where it would be great to sit down. Cause what you guys have done, what I seen you guys did last year was great. Right. And I, I, pitched into a lot of it you know i've donated a couple guided hunts to some of them and i did some other things inside of that but at the end of the day it's like there's so much more room for expansion that the outdoor industry is is five to seven years behind every other industry inside of marketing and reach and communication and branding which you guys took a big initiative and a step this year which was the start to a new core foundation for pope and young which is awesome and more companies need to do that. Even the small companies that go to those archery events, right? They don't have the connection inside of what they should be doing. They're trapped inside of what they've been told they had to do. Right. And there's a big right. difference in between those two things.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it And it's a, that's a trap that's easy to get sucked into. Cause yes. you do what you have to do, not what you want to do. Yep. And, and before
3: so, you know it, three years ago by and you're like, Ah oh, shit. I'm still in the same spot. Yeah, you made a little bit of money. Your company hasn't grown. You're still working way too many hours. You, you don't own your life. You actually created a job for yourself. You don't actually technically own a business. So now what? You know, it's like, well, now we start from scratch. It's like, you know, scrape yeah. off what you think you want to do, figure out what works and what doesn't work. Get rid of what doesn't work. Let's start doubling down on what does i like it so
2: well hey thomas thank once again thanks so much for being here with us uh always a pleasure to visit with you and uh and like i said thanks for all you're doing for bow hunting and for pope and young man
3: yeah i appreciate it and um hopefully dylan can put my contact information if everybody wants to go to the website or email me it'll it'll be in the information section but um
1: Yes, you sir. Know, at the end
3: of the day, this is just awesome. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and be a long gentleman like yourself, and lead in the forefront into where bow hunting is going, and to be able to identify and connect with where it's been. So,
2: yeah, absolutely. And if you do need to get a hold of Thomas, we've got Universal Outdoor Products. Uh, we have their link on our websites. So check out PopeYoung.org, and uh, and you can get right right to Thomas. So, hey, thanks again for being here. Have a great day.
3: Hey, thank you guys. Thanks again to Dylan and Jason.